Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. As you can tell, I don't normally talk like this. I've been coughing for about two weeks. Uh, I had the flu last week, and I went to the doctor, and he gave me Tamiflu. Like, I went right away. I'm like, I'm getting right on this thing, and he gave me Tamiflu. And then he prescribed me two bottles of cough medicine. And I said, dude, I don't, I'm not coughing. I don't know what your issue is. He's like, just take it. And I'm like, I'm not coughing. Like I, like, I didn't have a fever. It was kind of like a mild flu. And then, like, I get past the flu. I'm like, this is great. And then, <coughs> <coughs> and I've been coughing for literally a week straight. So I, I cover your prayers. My wife has had it up to here with the sound of my coughing. She's so graceful. <coughs> but I'm going to try not to gross you out. All right. Who's ready? Man, I love loud people. It's awesome. I love it. Turn with me um, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Um, we're not just going to leave the resurrection on Resurrection Sunday, but I want to talk about the resurrection and what happened right after the resurrection. And I'm going to read for a little while. We're going to start in Matthew 28, verse 5. And this is when the women came to the tomb, saw that the stone was rolled away, saw that Jesus was not there. And the angels said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He's risen, just as he said, come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly, tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they took hold of him and kissed his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren and leave for Galilee there, and they will see me. Verse 11. Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they assembled all the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say, His disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. Someone say politics. <laughs> and they took the money and they did as they had been instructed. Listen to this last part. In this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. This is crazy. You have your very first instant of fake news happening right here. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 28. You got to just remember what's going on here. So like, you know, this is a very solemn moment. It appears to the disciples and to everybody else that Jesus has lost that he wasn't who he said he was, that he died. Everyone's very sad. A bad thing happened from the perspective of everybody around him, right? And in the, on the heels of that, Jesus resurrects. But the devil very quickly jumps into the scene and he begins to sow a false narrative into the fabric and the foundation of the Christian faith. And he says, whoa, no. 
Don't, don't say he resurrected. Here's some money. Tell everybody that his body was stolen. And you got to you got to remember that this is a demonic lie and, and, and the situation at the time was bleak and it was, and it was negative and it was sad. And, um, you know, the, like the, the implications of the crucifixion, they weren't really known yet, all the benefits of the crucifixion. And so this was a bad thing to happen. And in that moment of bleakness, the enemy came and sowed a lie, sowed a, fa- a false narrative. Isn't that just like the devil to sow a lie when things are at their worst? Isn't it just like the devil to wait for a negative event in your life and offer you an interpretation for that lie so you don't see it through the lens of God, you see it through the lens of disaster, right? And so the enemy is consistently sowing false narratives in our life, in our marriage. The same thing that he did on the day of resurrection is the same thing he's doing today in your marriage, in your relationships, in your jobs, in your calling. He's sowing lies, false narratives to get you to see yourself different than how God sees you. Look at your neighbor, say it's the same tactic. Look at your neighbor, say it's fake news. To this day, A large contingent of Jewish people believed that Jesus was a prophet who falsely identified himself as the Messiah and that the whole thing was a setup. The Jewish faith has not turned to Jesus yet because of a fabricated story, a false narrative strategically constructed to suppress the truth and by it suppress the freedom of mankind. That is happening. A narrative is a report of connected events, real or imaginary, presented in a sequence of written or spoken words or still or moving images. A narrative is a story. Are you with me? You following me so far? The interesting thing is the soldiers who knew the truth had to make agreement with the lie for it to have any power. They were bought off. And I find that to be true in all of our lives. When the enemy lies to us, he really has no power until we agree with the lie. Right? Because when the crucifixion happened and then the resurrection happened, there was a transference of power from the devil to God. And then from God to us. And so the devil has no power. He just steals your power by lying to you. And then he makes you to agree with that lie so he can have some of your power. Are you with me? Say this is truth. And you know the same thing that he did that day, he's doing today. He's sowing false narratives, false interpretations into your life, your marriage, your calling. So you will live a life that's contradictory to God's will. He comes as an angel of light. He comes as something familiar. And then he offers interpretations, narratives, to help explain our circumstances. And then he attempts to make us make agreements. It's his weapon of choice. I find that in life, often it's not the things that happen to us that get us. It's our interpretation of the things that happen to us that really get us. Let that settle in. I think when my voice is like this, I can get away with more. What do you think? I could say some stuff that other weeks I may not be able to get away with. So we'll see. (laughs) No, our thought life, 
is the second most important dialogue in our life. Our first important dialogue, the most important dialogue, is the dialogue that we have with the Holy Spirit. But our second most important dialogue is the dialogue that we have with ourselves. And since most Christians don't have a dialogue with the Holy Spirit, they're left with the dialogue they have with themselves. That was one of the things I'm hoping to get away with. Okay. Our thought life. You know, we live, we die, we grow, we slow, we get bitter or better, depending on our thought life. It's the hidden battlefield in everybody's life. You could put a smile on your face, you could put some red bottom shoes on, you could put a nice purse on, you could wear some Jordans or some really nice Yeezy Boost Adidas, you could wear some really nice stuff, and you, be, you may look good to everybody around you, but there may be stuff going on up here that ain't right. And nobody knows it but you and God. See, our thought life is the most important area of our life. It's the, what happens up here dictates what happens around us. And you can only cover it up for so long. See, thoughts become narratives. Thoughts become narratives. So when I have a thought and I don't check that thought, that thought becomes a narrative. Right? And if I don't deal with that narrative, that narrative then solidifies a belief in my life. And beliefs lead to actions or even worse sometimes, inactions. And so because we are living our life, that it all comes back down to the way that we think about life. How we think about ourselves, how we think about our spouse, how we think about the world, what we think about God. What you think about God will absolutely either propel you or hold you back. If you think he's not interested in your life, you will live a stunted life. But if you think that he's for you and not against you and that all things are working for your good and that he, he looks, he, he, he sings over you as you're asleep and he knows what you have need of even before you ask and he's working all things together. If you really believe what the word says about you, it doesn't matter what happens to you, you're going to rise in power. Yeah. 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 You're going to be like, okay, this looks bad, but I wonder how God's going to redeem this situation. Because redemption didn't just happen at, at, at Calvary. Redemption happens every single day of our lives. The Bible says that we are daily being made new. Right? The outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Are you with me? Are you with me? See, actions or inactions, they determine our life outcomes. But it all boils down to our thoughts and the narratives that are going on in our mind. The stories that we're making up. Right? How important, how important is this? So you know... I mean, just your whole life depends on it. Can't be that important, right? Let me give you some of mine. Can I give you some of mine? So when I was in my early 20s, one of the narratives in my life was that I would never be able to speak in front of people. I was deathly afraid of public speaking. I would get up in front of a college class in a business school, and I would sweat, and I would stammer, and I would stutter, and I would be embarrassed, and I would fail oral presentations because... Because I, I would tell people my number one biggest fear was speaking in front of people. Take that, devil. Not so much anymore. I'll tell you another one. When I was early 20s, and this is me just pulling back the curtain a little bit to my life, is that I had a significant porn addiction when I was in my early 20s. So like everyday porn addiction. And I, in my mind, the lie that was in my mind was that I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to get past this. This is too hard. I can't deal with this. Can I be real with you? I'm not going to get past this. And that was a lie. And that was a narrative that played out in all of my actions and all of my inactions and all of my decisions and all my, all my decisions to cover things and, 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 and be dishonest or not let people in because I just figured I would never get over this. Are you with me? Yeah. Narratives. 
I had a narrative that I was unlovable, that people, people hated me, that I would never amount to anything significant. These were narratives that the enemy was flowing into my life. You know, this is more important than you think, right? Because suicide often is the result of false narratives run rampant. Divorce, affairs, unproductive living are often the result of false narratives run rampant. Ruin relationships. Ruin relationships. So glad that Pastor Gwynmar and Pastor Yolanda are going to be talking about relationship keys. Because ruin relationships, you know, one of the devil's tactics is to get you to criticize the very, for, the very voice that God put in your life to help you. Yes. 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 Oh, snap. I'll say that again on this side. <laughs> one of the devil's tactics is to get you to criticize the very voice that he put in your life to help you. Yeah. By lying to you. He doesn't understand. She doesn't know what's going on. He's naive. She's foolish. She doesn't have a lot of experience. She doesn't know my situation. He's young. She's young. Blah, 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 blah. Before you know it, you just put that voice of God in a box and God's like, I ain't speaking to you directly. I gave you someone, but you don't want to listen to him. I don't know what's going on this morning. I must, where I am weak, he is strong. I'm not good enough for some people. Lie. Things will never change. He hates me or I hate myself. These aren't just harmless thoughts. These are what I call weapons of mass unproduction. Come on, that was good. <laughs> Brad gave me a wry smile. He's like, <laughs> they're seeds of division. Right? We need to win the battle in our mind. A free mind equals a free life. And see, we have the mind of Christ. Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2.16 tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Right? That we have the ability to discern and understand spiritual things, godly things. We've been given the ability and the capacity to think as he thinks. That is remarkable. That we have been given the ability and the capacity to think the way he thinks. I want to think the way he thinks. I want to see the way he sees. I want to interpret the way he interprets. I want to see people not through my own bias or through my own hang-ups. I want to see people and see what he sees. I want to be able to look over a man of God and prophesy over his future rather than call out his weaknesses and say what he's not. So often we're critical and we work against the Holy Spirit instead of with the Holy Spirit. I gave you a key about the Holy Spirit. He's always for people. He's always for people. Oh, he, oh you got weaknesses? Great. His grace covers that. Let's talk about what else he wants to do. Oh, he's got sin issues? Join the club. We all do, and he's working all things together. He's purifying us. He's sanctifying us until the day of judgment. He's with us. He's for us. He's not against us. His blood still works. I'm, I can't out-sin his blood. I'm not that strong. I'm not much, that much of a sinner. I can't out-sin his grace. Oh, snap. This is good. We, just, we can't just believe in the resurrection. We have to believe in the implications of the resurrection. That Jesus paid the price, defeated sin and death so you can be free. And a resurrected Jesus means a resurrected you and me. Woo. 
right? You know, your parents, or when you were younger, your parents would tell you not to hang out with certain people because you might become like them, right? You ever notice that you become like the people you hang out with? Here's my question to you. Is the Holy Spirit rubbing off on you? You become who you hang out with. So is the Holy Spirit rubbing off on you? I'm not going to answer the question. I'm going there with you. You can answer it. Because you become like who you hang out with most. Are you with me? See, the Holy Spirit wants to get you to a place where you begin to think like Him. Respond like Him. Believe like Him. Act like Him. He hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. Are you with me? It's awesome. God's awesome. God, I heard Corey Russell say one time, I don't even know who he is. He goes, God's not boring, you're boring. <laughs> I was like, you're right, Corey, I am boring. But this is an intentional process. Are you with me? Your thought life isn't something that automatically changes. It changes by intention. This is something that you need to bring under the microscope of your life and really examine. It takes time to evaluate and recognize the thought patterns and the false narratives in your life right now that are keeping you in bondage. Ask the Holy Spirit to expose every false narrative in your life. You know, when I got saved, I went through this season where I just automatically assumed that I was wrong. Because I just knew I wasn't thinking straight, so I got to be wrong. I spent like two years just automatically saying, you're right, I'm wrong. You're right. Because I just recognized that in my mind, I just didn't see things right. Like, I just saw things, and other people would see things completely different. I'm like, I don't see that. I see it from a much more twisted and, and um, uh, speculative and accusatory perspective. So you know what? I'm just going to take a thought vacation for a while. And I just automatically assumed that how I was seeing it was wrong. Some of us need to do that. Amen. No, I'm serious. Like, we need to just turn it off and go on vacation and just not think for a while, Right? I was suspicious, I was negative, I was accusatory, I was intimidated, and this led me to mistrust people and their intentions. But see, you know, it's the design of God in your life that His Spirit leads to your thoughts, not your thoughts lead to your spirit. It's His design that His Spirit leads to your thought life, not your thoughts lead to your spirit. Are you with me? But it's a process, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We are cast down, oh no, we are destroying spec speculations. This is one version. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Another version says we are casting down imaginations. In the King James, I love that. We're casting down imaginations. The NASB says we are destroying speculations. I love that. But know it's something significant that Paul says here. He says we are casting down imaginations. He doesn't say he is. He says we are. This is important because God isn't saying just pray and ask God to take it away. He's saying that you need to do it. You need to pick up a sword. You need to pick up the truth. You need to wage war here and you need to cast down imaginations. You need to get rid of speculations. You need to deal with your imaginations. You need to take your thought captives. You can't just say, God, oh my God, God, I prayed about this thought. It's coming in again. This thought's coming in again. The thought's coming again. It's like, no, stop it. I gave you power. Just deal with the thought. Yeah. Right? So we pray and we ask God to do everything. God's like, I already did it. 
I gave you the power. You have the authority to revoke the devil's CO in your head. CO. Certificate of Occupancy. Yeah. You have the power to revoke his CO in your head and kick him out. Right? But you need to do it. I'm convinced that God has already answered many of our prayers, but we just need to walk out the answers in faith. That won't hurt me too. But if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this, if we're going to cast down imaginations, if we're going to expose our fake news, if we're going to expose our fake news, if we're going to deal with our thought life, we're going to need three things. The first thing we're going to need is we're going to need a prison. This is my prison. I was asked not to climb in here. The The jury's still out on that one. We're going to need a garbage can. And we're going to need the truth. We're going to need these three things in our spiritual repertoire and tangible tools that we actually need to activate and utilize in our life. And the first thing we need is this prison. Now, how many of you guys know my dog? He's crazy, right? Now take for a minute, step back for a minute, and imagine my dog as a puppy. Right. He's crazy. And so, like, when we first got Kingston in our apartment, what we would do, and this is actually my kennel. I gave it to Pastor G, or he took it. I don't remember what happened. I think he took it. We gave, we gave I'm just kidding. We gave it to him. And so we had, we had Kingston in our apartment, and we, we had to put him away every time we left the house or times at night or, or, or just whenever he was being bad in the house, we had to take him, and we had to put him in this kennel and lock the door. He hated it. All day. He, would just, he would just complain all day long, but we had to put him in there until he learned how to be obedient, right? If we didn't, he would literally destroy our apartment. I mean, he destroys belts, stuffed animals, pillows. He would drag pillows the size of me from my bedroom to the other end of the apartment and rip all the stuffing off of them. I remember my wife, one year for my birthday, bought me a $40 Puma belt. I wanted to look like Tiger Woods or Ricky Fowler on the golf course. She bought me this belt for my birthday, and he destroyed the thing. It was leather. He just destroyed it, ripped it apart, and so we would put him in his kennel. Are you with me? The kennel, the kennel became a tool of discipline for us to change his behavior until he became obedient, right? This is what it means like, this is what it means to take your thoughts prisoner. It means to lock your thoughts up in a prison and you stay there until you learn to be obedient to the knowledge of God. Some of us need to take our thought life to obedience school. Are you with me? So, but we don't do that, and instead, we have these little demonic thought puppies running through our mind, pooping and peeing and chewing up everything in our mind. Yeah. You could quote me on that one. And that's what we do. We don't imprison our thoughts, and these demonic thought puppies are in our minds. Pooping, peeing, causing division, chewing up truth, chewing up all kinds of stuff. And we're like this all day long. We, and some of you think with your face, so I know stuff's going on. You know? Yeah. You know, when people, you know when people think with their face? And I'm like, I'm going the other way. There's something going on in there. 
I'm not coming at you. I do the same thing. You think with your face because there's stuff going on here. Fake news. Fake news. Vain imaginations. You ever think of a scenario? Right? Some of you, I'm telling you right now, you can win an Academy Award for the novels that you create in your head. And the Oscar goes to my brain. Right? We make movies in our head. We imagine what people intend to do. We, we imagine what we would do if they did what we think they were going to do. And we write chapters in our mind. And then we live those chapters out. Some of us need to stop thinking for real. I like what Pastor G says. Pastor G says sometimes, he goes, you need to think about what you're thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Think about what you're thinking about, right? Some of us just need to stop thinking for real. Pray. <laughs> no, listen. Do everybody a favor. <laughs> Pray. Read, worship, rinse, repeat. Pray, read, worship, rinse, repeat. Pray, read, worship, rinse, repeat. And when you start thinking the way he thinks, you can start thinking again. Right? It is good. I got this for my own life. <laughs> We need to start capturing our thoughts and making those little puppies obedient. You go and you, I used to talk to myself out loud. I, taught, I used to tell Joaquin this. You know, I mean, Joaquin would talk. I'd be like, I would yell at myself in the car because I, I couldn't stop thinking about something. I'd be like, no, 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 you stop, no. I would literally, I would say no into the atmosphere. I'd be driving on the highway. People would look at me like, <laughs> I didn't care. If you have nothing good to think about, just start quoting scripture. If you don't know how to stop thinking about crazy stuff, just start praying. You can't think yourself out of a paper bag, but one prayer can change your life. Are you with me? Imaginations. The next thing we need is a, is a garbage can. So we need, because we can't throw all of our thoughts in the garbage can. We've got to be able to think. We've got to think critically. We're thinking people, Right? So we need the prison, right? But we also need the garbage can. And this is casting down imaginations. It's a very specific word. I like speculations. We speculate on life. These are movies in your head that you produce, right? Things that we imagine are happening or have happened, but actually haven't happened. Does anyone feel me here? I imagine that this is happening, but it actually hasn't happened. And what the word says, we actually need to cast those things down. Another version says, destroy them. Destroy them. Take them. And I even do this visually. I will ball things up in my brain. Now think about this. And I will imagine it going down a garbage chute. Not thinking about that anymore. God is good. And like this is a process that we, you just can't let things slide. You've got to recognize the thought and then throw it away. Recognize the thought and then throw it away. Recognize the thought and throw it away. Here's the key. Anything that does not produce life or hope in you is not of God. Anything that leads to anger, depression, sin, bitterness, resentment, or regret is not God. That's the devil or your flesh. But it's not God. 
Anything that inspires hope in you. Because it's amazing that even his kindness leads us to repentance. Yeah, it's amazing that even when he disciplines us, it just makes us love him more. He's a good, good father. So anything that doesn't produce hope in life in you is not of God. Right? We need to be honest with ourselves that we all got a little bit of fake news. You're fake news. Come on, let's be honest. I'm fake news. I got some fake news going on. Making movies in my head. Right? We've got to be able to confront the fake news in our brain so that we can live out the life that God's called us to live out. So how do I know my imaginations and my thoughts are fake news? Well, I said it. Do they line up with the word? What it says about me? What it says about him? Right? Are they obedient to what I know about God and what I know about his love? And where do they lead me? If they lead me to depression, anger, or regret, if they lead me into suspicion or negativity, chances are I'm feeding on a false narrative. I'm feeding on fake news. Why? Because God is willing and able to redeem even our mistakes. Even our mistakes are under his blood. Even the, even, even the, uh, the, the, the slips of the tongue where we say things we shouldn't say or we have conversations that we shouldn't have, even those things are under his blood. Right? Literally destroy it, throw it away. Self-deprecating thoughts, insecurities, fears, negative self-talk, vain imaginations, assuming the worst about people and situations, throw them away. So we need to have a prison where we are training our little thought puppies to be obedient. And we need to have a garbage can where we are throwing away some things that have no value in our life. But we also need to have the truth. And you cannot expo expose fake news if you aren't in a relationship with the truth. Part of the reason why the news media is so successful in spinning bias and slanting opinion is because most people are ignorant of the truth. Or they're too lazy to find out the truth. And so they trust the source to give them the information they need rather than going directly to the source. Right, and so that's the reason why, why fake news in the, me in the media, and I'm not talking about conservative or, or, or liberal, Democrat, all of the media, all has a bias, right? I need to be able to have a relationship with the truth and discern. One of the biggest things, one of the best gifts that God can give you is the gift of discernment. Because then I don't have to take the time and the hours to do all the research. I can get a prompting from the Holy Spirit to know if something's not good. The Lord has given me promptings about situations and about people that have literally saved me years worth of mistakes. I don't need to, I don't need to know everything. I don't need to know all the details, all the facts. I, I just need to know what the Lord is saying. I've got to have discernment. God can give you discernment. Are you with me? Stop assuming that you know the Word and stop assuming that you don't need it. See, most people, they don't read the Word because they assume they know it. But the people who really know it want more of it. Amen. I'm going to leave that one. And stop assuming you don't need it. Oh, I go to church to get fed. Grown-ups feed themselves. Yes, 
That wasn't mine. I took that from somebody else. <laughs> it is good. It is good. See, when you know the word, the word is being worked out in your life, right? Then you know it. You don't know it if you're not allowing it to be formed in you. If you can rattle off a scripture verse, that's great. But if you can't apply that scripture verse, that's not good. You know the word when the word is being applied. See, we're at home, we're trying to teach our kids the word. But we're trying to teach them how to live it. We're trying to demonstrate it. I want them to memorize the scripture. I know it's important, but I want them to demonstrate the scripture verse. It's more important that it's formed in them. Right? Funniest thing in the world is here. My, my Ruby quote a scripture verse. It's the funniest thing. Brothers and sisters, listen quick. Everybody be slow to speak. I'm like, amen. <laughs> quick to listen, amen. She's quoting him. She goes, live any of it. She's on her way. Godly thinking will always instill, inspire hope and joy in you. Godly thinking will lead you into prayer, not into gossip. Oh. Godly prayer will lead you into godly thinking will lead you into prayer, not into gossip. Godly thinking is rooted in love. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The biggest priority in our life, listen to me. The biggest priority in our life should be acquiring and applying truth. Well, Pastor Pete, Pastor Pete, I thought that the biggest part of my life should be to love people. Well, if you don't know the truth, you won't be able to love people. The biggest priority of our life needs to be at acquiring and applying truth, especially in this day. With political agenda, secular humanism, moral relativism, Doctrinal issues in the church, church abandoning, abandoning foundations that are so clear in scripture about what God views and we're just taking a different opinion. And this day, like no other day, we need to be assured of what the truth is, of what the word of God says and not apologize for it. Not be mean about it, but not apologize for the fact, yeah, you know what? This is what the Word of God says. Right? Humanistic views, anti-Christian sentiment, the pursuit of truth should be our highest spiritual authority. You do that and you will love. You will have compassion. You will move in ways that you didn't think you could move. But it all starts up here. It all starts up here. This isn't a message that you just hear and say, that was nice. This is a message that you go home and you work out. That you work out. So I, want, I have a challenge for you. I want to challenge you. This week, more than any other week, make this week a week of communion with the Holy Spirit. Intentionally. I'm not just saying five minutes a day. I'm saying, how about an hour a day? Where you press into God. Right? Come away from them and be ye separate. Lord Jesus, that's, I love that song. I think it's a Jason Upton song. Come up here, come up now. You're my beloved. Let's, get, let's raise ourselves higher and get closer so we can hear what the Lord is saying to us 
Are you with me? Let this be a week where you challenge your thought life in a way like you never had before. Challenge your thought life. Challenge the narrative. Challenge the narrative that you find in your mind. Here's one suggestion I, I suggest you do. Do a thought log. That'll scare you. <laughs> Write down everything that comes in your brain. Oh, snap. Talk about self-realization. Write it down. Do a thought log. Write down every thought that comes into your brain. And then you can look at it and say, well, that was stupid. I'm not going to think about that again. Are you with me? Yeah, the best stuff takes, takes time. Spend an entire week. Write down your thoughts and meditate on the Word of God. Maybe you fast a day or two. Maybe you turn off the television. Maybe you delete social media. Right? You know your password. You could always put it back on. Right? Put the phone away and lean into him and allow him to speak to you. What would your, what, what would your week look like if you actually carried every concern to him? Because my word says to cast all of my cares upon him because he cares for us. Some of us carry burdens that we're not meant to carry because we won't take the time to just release them to the Father. Are you with me? Get your prison. No, I got that. Get your garbage can. And most importantly, get your truth. Let's do some inventory up here. Let's start thinking the way he thinks. Your whole life will change. Bad things will happen and you'll laugh. You'll have so much joy because you'll be rooted in what he says about you. Come on, Sam, with me. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.